Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Freedom International live stream. And I am Grace Asagra of Quantum Nurse Podcast. And with me is another co-host for Dr. Darren Smith, who is who's gonna be our guest, obviously. You see him on the image. And it will be with Dr. Carl Moore um, podcasting all the way from Ireland. So we will miss the rest of our team, but we will have a grand time today. And please, for those who've been following us, please don't hesitate to share, to like, to subscribe. And there will always be post notes and do support uh, all of us in whatever way or form, because it is important that we always share what's for me is the truth of many things. And in the last four years, we know more and more people knows now that there, we, we had a lot of misinformation, lack of information, disinformation from all aspects of our lives, especially about our health. And as a holistic registered nurse, that really inspired me like, oh, you know, maybe it's time to do a podcast and talk about many things, not just what I know in terms of um, nursing in the hospital or in the community. So thank you, Dr. Darren Smith. Thank you very much. I know you have a busy time and I, you are highly recommended as well as I witness myself in by, by saying witness when I listened to the webinar that you had with um, um, at CellCore then I said, I like the way you're presenting nutrition because that's what I personal, personally also believe in, okay? It is like, so I wanna start with you telling us a story about, about your childhood because it's always important and you can, the people can see a picture of where this, this young man, you know, how was, you, how, were, how was your childhood and what made you, decide and what are you doing now, well, you know, how it influenced, because that's also the same thing as our journey with our health. It's kind of always, we have to look at what have we been doing before. So, but for those, um, for but um, up be before that, now let me uh, post this uh, website where you could get in touch with Dr. Smith and he, it will be at the, the Nutritional Healing center.com okay and pay attention because he might mention other people's name website and that's how you really continue to learn with him leading this conversation so thank you go ahead yeah. dr smith i grew up on a family farm and it's um people have images of red barns and chickens running around the yard it was a commercial farm we had 750 acres of fields and 14 acres of greenhouses and you know, in the eighties when I, so I started working there when I was nine and uh, driving, um, you know, tractors and forklifts and stuff in my early teens. I think I first drove tractors when I was 11, but um, the point is um, I learned a few lessons on the farm, like number one, how to work hard. Number two, uh, to give it some time, you know, you got to plant some seeds and it, they don't grow up overnight. You know, you got to give it some time. And I became very holistically minded during that time and um, knew how to work hard. So I applied um, before I applied to take the, um, the MCAT, like the medical entrance exam in college, I did a survey of 12 doctors and students of medicine and I asked them about their profession 
and basically none of them encouraged me to go into medicine. That was my original intention. And zero out of 12 people did not recommend their own profession. So then I looked at optometry and podiatry and veterinary medicine. And then I spent a couple hours with a chiropractor and I could see what he was doing was kind of blue collar-ish, you know, like manual labor. And it was very holistic. And he said, you can have a problem in your back and it's causing pain down the leg. So if you treat the leg, the leg pain itself, then you're lost. You know, you have to get to the cause and you can have like no pain in the back, but yet the symptom is lower in that extremity. So I went, I went to um, chiropractic school and I'd never been to a chiropractor. Nobody in my family had been to a chiropractor and um, nobody in my family is even in healthcare. They're all teachers and um, farmers. So anyways, so what, while, while I was in school, I went to a lot of seminars. I went to one seminar a month for two years, basically outside of school. And I went to a nutrition seminar by Joel, Dr. Joel Wallach. Do you know him? He wrote a book, Dead Doctors Don't Lie Back Then. And that seminar changed my life. I wanted to be a chiropractor who focuses on nutrition. So um, I graduated in 97, started my practice, did chiropractic for one year, started doing nutrition in 98. And um, long story. So my diet has been low carb since 1999. And very strict, low carb. And then in 2015, started doing the keto diet. And in 2018, uh, started doing the carnivore diet. So I've been low carb this whole time. But the, the point of my practice is to actually get the human body well. And the way that you do that is you repair tissues and organs. You have to clean them out and then you feed them. And it sounds pretty simple. And after doing studying this and doing this for 30 years, um, I can see why most people don't do this kind of work because <laughs> you got to really, you know, be able to solve a lot of puzzles, you know? So that's kind of my, my background and my history and what I'm doing now. It's, it's similar to how I kind of grew up. I mean, in a way, not, no, not in a farm, but I grew up in the Philippines and being around indigenous healers is like, um, we, we never get it. We, we were not, I think it's only one time that I was brought to the hospital. I think when um, my mother delivered me, but it is a, 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 a just a local helot. We call it helot. So they're delivery, they, they, they assist people. So it's not a hospital thing. And primarily because also um, where it's not a culture during my time growing up, of depending on insurance, health insurance, and doctors. So there, there was a gift of that. And in in fact, that's how I am today as well. Although when I was working at the hospital, I have health insurance, but that was a given. But once I stopped working in the hospital, until now, I have no health insurance because I decided to use my money somewhere else that will make me healthier or support my health. So. It, it it's that's the way um it, and and at early on i owned my health and so the, the intention of why i really wanted you to be with us and i like everything that you're saying when from what i've listened is because people have to really understand that they have to own your health and health is a journey from cradle to grave that you own it and you pay attention to your body. When 
Well, so how was how was how's the farm now, and how was how's the journey of your family in terms of um, health issues, and as compared to to family members or to you know other families who don't really honor what they have, and sometimes some people I think they may have a farm, but it seems like they're still unhealthy. It's a it was a commercial farm. So, so currently, uh, Roundup Ready soybeans, uh, biotech corn, um, just, you know, garbage. And my family sold it in 2019. So, and, um, and then, of course, the greenhouses were uh, flowers. So lots and lots of flowers. But my great-grandfather started it in 1937. And um, so, I mean, my parents are still healthy, pretty healthy. And... Um, I don't know like what else to say about that is standard American diet. Basically my mom went to, um, she got her degree in home economics back in the night, you know, 1960s. And so she made good food for us and stuff like that. So we were raised not on junk food. So a lot of people will say, well, you know, I, I use, I, I eat garlic for high blood pressure. You know, they talk about the remedies and their herbs and their spices and stuff. In the meantime, they're drinking pop and eating the worst foods you can possibly imagine. You know, and so you can't rely on supplements or anything if you're eating junk food. And so the ultra processed foods, high in sugar, um, seed oils, refined grains and salt. Those are the four ingredients of junk food. 40% of Americans calories are junk food right now. What's the point of anything, right? It's, it's just a, of like any drug, even any supplement. The point of that is to prop you up as you destroy your health with the junk food, you know? So step one is get rid of that. And then what? Then you have to, um, then you're eating meat and vegetables and some fruit and a very little grain, very little grain. And then you have to clean your organs and repair your organs and your cells. And that's where the supplements come in, the herbs and stuff. So that's kind of like the bigger picture um, of like my ideas that have been formulating since I, you know, was working on the farm and seeing people, you know, I've, I've been to agricultural conferences before and seminars and especially like regenerative growing, you know, organic growing farmers and stuff. And what they say about the soil and the plants and the animals is it's crazy how it's very similar to what I say about the human body. You know, I went to a seminar, it was an hour and a half long. And instead of saying the word, soil or plant he could have said food and human body it would have been the same exact hour and a half talk you know darren i just so you grew up on a commercial farm um so you can see uh, things are being raised in an industrial manner at what point did you sort of zoom in i mean you were you were brought up pretty healthy eating reasonably good food at what point did you kind of um uh, say so it's in the nutrition. We have to go back to pure ingredients um, and all that. What, what was it? Was it during your education? Or? Yeah, that was that seminar from Dr. Joel Wallach. And uh, what I, I walked out away from there thinking, okay, the reason why so many people are sick is because of our food supply. And I want to be a chiropractor who focuses on nutrition. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that was, that was, it was the lecture that did it. That was, yeah, so, that was like that one okay. night. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I just thought there might have been something you may have observed on the farm or something that contrasted, um, you well, know, to you, build up. Or... Right. A lot of people in holistic health are in it because they were sick, right? Yeah. They had Lyme disease or something, and then they spent 10 years trying to find solutions through medicine. They couldn't find it, and then they got in some, some herbs and felt better. I was never really sick. I, ne I never had that sort of a challenge. It was all about helping as many people as possible at the lowest price and at the fastest rate. How can we, you know, can we get people better as soon as we can, you know, as soon as possible like that. So, you know, um, <clears throat> and it, and it takes nutrition and the holistic mindset to do that, right? Like drugs, drugs, not, not the solution <laughs> for chronic illness. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you, you obviously have come to a balance between the two worlds. You support the body through nutrition while letting people take the pharmaceutical route at the same time. As they need to. Yeah, just to prop themselves up. Right. Yeah. And of course, there's always drugs that are needed, like type one diabetics need insulin and, you know, examples like that. But a lot of drugs are overused, overprescribed, not needed. Yeah. Too many, you know, so many people are um, they're over -medic medicated. I think the average senior citizen has six medications. That is just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, we've learned just this week that the um, Sudafed, you know, there's a whole collection of over-the-counter um, cold medicines. They don't work. And they've known that for, what, 17 years? or Not 17. Yeah, 17 years. And they're going to be taken off the market. It's a $1.8 billion a year industry. And finally, the government said, look, we've known this since 2008 during the Obama administration that these drugs don't work. So now we're going to pull them off the market. So th that's a fake industry. The Alzheimer's research for decades has been faked. And um, the SSRI, you know, antidepressant philosophy, that's fake. And, you know, like it hit the news, but yet people are still prescribing and taking Prozac and antidepressants. And they're still thinking that Alzheimer's is caused by placking in the brain. All that stuff is fake. And it's like, you got to go back decades to know somebody's cause of their Alzheimer's or their um, heart disease or something like that. And to understand mechanisms and, you know, causes and stuff like that. So it's an interesting, um, and it's an interesting uh, profession, this, this healthcare thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's like two opposing forces. It's um, everybody's unique and individual. And yet sometimes medicine is, is practiced as a carte blanche. Uh, one pill does everything. Right. And so there's... The, and, and I suppose I suppose the really big thing is that comes out, and I think Gray started mentioned this at the beginning, is that you have to take responsibility. You got to own your health, because there's so many options, there's so many ways of doing things out there, uh, and there's only so much time to learn and apply these. Uh, it's, right. it's a difficult road to navigate, and right. so, yeah, right. And so, in order to take responsibility and control your health in a good way. <clears throat> it's all about knowledge. And there's so, there's just so much knowledge and there's, and there's a knowledge that's important and it's true. And there's knowledge that's true, but not important. 
And then there's knowledge that's false. So my, that's been part of my career is to make sure all the false knowledge is removed. And then all the knowledge that's not important, that it's true, but not important. I just kind of set that aside also. And so there's really, I was just telling somebody earlier this morning, there's really only 10 causes of chronic illness. There's 10. So you got five organisms. You got Lyme disease, parasites, virus, bacteria, fungus. Fungus includes yeast, candida, mold. And then you got three toxins, metals, chemicals, radiation. And then you have excess sugar in the diet that includes um, grains. And the last one is lack of drainage. So the organs that drain the body naturally, like liver, gallbladder, kidneys, lymphatic system, sinuses, lungs, skin, they can be malfunctioning. So that, that's been my assessment now after 30 years of figuring this out, those 10 things. So medicine is horrible at all the organisms. They're horrible at Lyme disease, parasites, viruses. They're pretty good with bacteria. And they're horrible with the fungus yeast candida category. They don't do anything regarding the three toxins, metals, chemicals, radiation. As a matter of fact, they are one of the chemical, they're the chemical toxins, right? With all their poisons that they add, plus the environmental toxins sprayed on agricultural plants and all that stuff, the yard, the yard sprays and all that stuff. So anyways, I'm saying this because I, I, I know people have their families that they have to take care of and they have their job and they need some entertainment, you know, on a Friday and Saturday night. And so why would the average person sit down and try to go through all the rumble videos and read through all the books about health, natural health care and try to figure this out. It's just such a mess. It's such a soup of, of information. But the thing is, I, I like doing this. I like solving problems. Then they come to my practice and then I can apply it to my patients. And my office, um, in the last five years, we've seen 60,000 nutrition visits. And the other thing is that we don't take insurance, not since 2005. So that sets up, sets us up higher, like higher demand, I should say, for getting people better. Because if we don't get people better, they're not going to come and pay us cash. Everybody already has insurance, right? So if they reach in their pocket, give us our, give us their money, we have to get them better. So I've been in some social media arguments on uh, TikTok and YouTube and stuff like that. And it's like a doctor who takes insurance can get pretty lazy and not learn the latest nutrition information, diet supplements. They don't because they still get paid because insurance is going to pay them regardless of their knowledge, regardless of the results. They're still going to get paid. They can get paid for 30 years. They can make millions of dollars and never get anybody well. Zero people get well. Yeah, so, isn't it? I, I think they say that insurance is probably your, more deleterious to your health uh, yeah. than anything else because you tend to use it and get uh, all kinds of things done you may or may not necessarily otherwise need. Oh, oh, I've, I've heard the stories. I had a woman, we lifted up a box of, it was like frozen, it was a frozen vegetables or something. She was working. She lifted this box up over her head and it fell right on her head. And then her arms got numb. And then after a couple of days, the one arm got better, but then the other one was still numb. So she goes to her doctor and the doctor says, oh, you need this, this, this 
physical therapy, go see a neurologist, go see an orthopedic surgeon. And they all had their, their recommendations and their testing. And she hadn't been in my office in like a year. So she comes back and she told me the story. It hit her head and it went numb. I said, you need to see a chiropractor, you know, and do some body work, maybe massage also. And I said, and I thought to myself, she's got really good insurance. She probably has Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, something, you know, they got some top tier programs there. And she works, she's a, she's a school lunch lady. So she's with the teacher's union. And then I asked her, what kind of insurance do you have? She said, Blue Cross Blue Shield. And I was like, they're using you for your insurance. They're passing you around so that everybody gets their income. That's why those referral networks are so tight in the medical profession, because it's their income. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm speaking very harshly about the medical profession, but it's the truth. I'm not saying I'm not exaggerating at all. You know, she just and then she said to me, yeah, she goes, yeah, I think you're right. I think they're just passing me around to make to make money off of me. So. No, I think you. No, you're not exaggerating. It's this is a conversation that uh, some of us, especially the three of us and others in our circle, have been really uh, talking about. And uh, and and when when you mention about you know that uh, um, insurance and how many times that the insurance doesn't even. It doesn't really just help. It just keeps going around and around, as you said. And I like it when you you usually compare our body or the what we do in terms of cars. I remember when Dr. Marshall was still alive, and Dr. Marshall was is also a trailblazer in terms of incorporating energy testing, which I know you're expert on that as well. And I was thinking that lady who we had that injury in the head i'm sure you would have tested head points as well yeah. so when he 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 said he said that why do we keep going to the same doctor again and again and the doctor doesn't even make you well but if you bring your car to a mechanic for sure if the mechanic cannot fix it you go somewhere else definitely you move on and as well, and as you mentioned, that yes. one thing that changes in the in the car it affects also the rest. So right. So, and that gets back to to insurance. So I think health insurance is socialism by proxy. It's a way to control the masses. The other thing that's crazy is that when people get paid by their employer, money leaves that that check and it goes to pay for their health insurance. It's a system that. You know, and people think, well, I already pay for health insurance. I might have, I might as well use it. So imagine if that was true for your car too, right? You're being forced to, you know, lose money for car maintenance. And if you own a Ford, you're going to see a Ford dealer. And then why would you go to the Acura dealer or the Acura mechanic, right? So I'm that, I'm the alternative doctor, right? So people are, you know, they, have insurance for a certain hospital or, or group of doctors. And that system is sort of like walled off. And to go outside of that system, financially, it's harmful, you know, har not harmful, but hurtful financially to their pocketbook. And then they might get ostracized by their family members or their doctor might yell at them. Like all this has happened. I've seen this over and over again. But in the meantime, I did a video on YouTube and TikTok going through the top five hospitals ranked by U.S. News and World Report 2023, 
and the top five hospitals in the whole world, I went to their Google reviews and the best ones at 3.9 and their average is like 3.3. The top best hospitals can't get above four on Google reviews. They got 3.9 or less. And then my clinic's at 4.9 out of five. And I don't do, I don't solicit for these Google reviews. I don't edit them. You know, I don't get any of them deleted. It is what it is. So anyways, it's the, the industry um, really needs like a revolution and um, they're getting stronger and stronger as we saw with the last three years, you know, since March of 2020 and they're getting stronger because they're censoring like crazy. So on YouTube, I don't know if you know about the new YouTube censorship policy on health misinformation. They took the COVID parameters and then they apply it now to everything in healthcare as of two weeks ago. So you can't say anything that goes against the CDC, WHO, or local experts, whatever local experts means. If you say anything that goes against these three entities, they take down your video. So I had a patient five years ago, he had a stomach cancer or intestinal cancer, and he needed to get it removed surgically. So he did that, but his blood still showed cancer. So he went down to Mexico to the Hoxie Clinic, H-O-X-S-C-Y. It's a doctor from the United States that got kicked out of the country again, just like Gerson and other people. And um, at the Hoxie Clinic, they gave him a B-17 shot, Laetrile, and other things, but that was the main therapy. And then the cancer went away. That was five years ago. He's been cancer-free for five years. And it's fantastic. And the election, you know, the, the interview was an hour long. It's fantastic. I posted it on YouTube and I got a bunch of people saying, oh, that was very helpful. You know, thanks for that. You know, that was great. And then I got the notification uh, two weeks ago that YouTube took it down. And it's because he said the word hoxie. It's actually in the YouTube policy. They actually mentioned the hoxie clinic. And they mentioned other other. Um, therapies that if you say it, they just get, they're just going to take it down. So anyways, here we're on rumble, you know, thankfully there's rumble and gab and other, you know, video streaming services like this. So YouTube needs, needs to be taken down. Now the United States government is suing Google. And this was announced a few days ago because Google has a monopoly on searches. And so when you buy like a new phone or whatever, um, or new device, Google Chrome is preloaded and then Google, you know, you can't find DuckDuckGo on uh, Google's, you know, stuff like that. So hopefully this will like break apart uh, Google's uh, monopoly um, on searches. And hopefully, you know, we're trying to, it, it, we had a great time for about four or five years back when the internet was new and Facebook was new. And, you know, the alternative doctors, they flourished. You know, my YouTube channel was great. I, I got so many new subscribers up until they started censoring me in 2018. I remember the moment when I realized, oh, my gosh, you know, they they you search my name and the first page is people, other people's videos that were against me. A lot of vegans saying bad stuff about me. And the whole first page on um, YouTube was them. Then you go to the second page, then my video started showing up. That was 2018. June of 2019, they started um, another censorship campaign. And I had four videos going viral at that time. And it was around June 11th, June 12th. 
all four of those videos, you could see it in the graph, all four of them just flatlined, totally flat. And so if I had a video go viral after that, it would go up and down just a little bit in the views. So now to go, there are, there's a guy named Dr. Sten Ekberg on YouTube. He's a, a nutrition chiropractor. He goes viral on, on YouTube and he says things like, what happens if you, if you eat white bread for 30 days? Nothing but white bread for 30 days. What if I ate hot dogs for 30 days? You know, like it, it's a stunt. He does these stunts. And so that can go viral, but I refuse to do that. I'm not going to do stupid things, you know, to try to, and I, I'm happy for his success and he's helping people and all that stuff. But I, I get into like, how do you get better? You know, the biochemistry, the pathophysiology, the nutrition, the supplements, the detoxing, like things that are actually true and, and, and important is what I'm getting at. Do you, do you get clientele, I guess, obviously in this area that when they come to you, they're, uh, they tend to take, they've taken health into their own hands more so um, than through the conventional art. And with that, do you have to, do they come up with funny ideas sometimes and you have to correct them or are they pretty well, um, they educate them, they do a good job of educating themselves before they come to you? That's a good question. They do a good job of educating themselves and they apply it and they get better <clears throat> and then they get stuck on something. And then that's my job to fix that, you know, those, those things that they're kind of stuck on. So being in business now in, in the nutrition field. Um, so I started studying it in 1993 and started practicing it in 1998. So 30 years, what I see is that the level of knowledge keeps going up because of, videos like this. And um, I still, you know, educate myself every day on the latest stuff. And also the products are getting better. That includes body care products like deodorant under the arm and, you know, hair and stuff like that. It's all getting better in the alternative world. And also the supplements, of course. So Cellcore, I'm a huge fan of Cellcore. And uh, they're so good at cleaning the body and getting rid of parasites and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. And so what, what was that called again? Self-core? Cellcore, C-E-L-L, Cellcore Biosciences. Okay, okay. Website, cellcore.com. Yeah, I may have sent you one time a link of that, Carl, but I yeah, resend it to you. You probably did. You probably did. There's yeah. Uh, yeah. lots then, of information. So, yeah, so continue, Dr. Yeah, and, then we, and we have better information regarding diet. Although our diet, our food supply is degrading, so much <clears throat> with garbage, but the information on what's healthy is getting better. So back in the eighties, we had Dr. Atkins trying to debate Car um, Esselstyn, <clears throat> excuse me, Esselstyn, the vegan from the China study. And I saw this debate and it didn't really end in any conclusive way, but now we know that the low carb diet is the best diet. And that's not just from surveys, but actually from clinical exper experiments. So, you know, when people advocate for the Mediterranean diet or vegetarian diet, these are high carbohydrate diets. And those are not as good as keeping those carbs down and doing a low carb diet. Like that's a total solid fact. There's no debating that anymore. The science is very clear that low carb beats high carb. So when you, you, you said um, 
you went and adopted the keto diet in 2015 or something. And then, and then you said, and then, then you went carnivore. Yeah. Was that, um, was that coming back to something that you originally done or was this, um, kind of a progression of understanding or both? Um, yeah, it's a progression of understanding. Yeah, really good questions, Carl. <laughs> so, so going low carb in 99 was just simply that. I kept my carbs below 75 grams a day for 16 years. And if I cheated, I still would stay below 125 grams of carbs a day. Okay, so in, in 2015, I learned about the keto diet. <clears throat> so then I was doing super low carb and then higher fat. And then I would go into ketosis and then I would cycle in and out of ketosis. So, I, you know, you can't be in ketosis every day for 10 years. Like that's physiologically impossible. You wouldn't want to do it anyways. You just cycle in and out, which a lot of people don't understand. They think the keto diet is impossible because you can't do it forever. You're not supposed to do it forever. You, you do it to fix something and then you do it sometimes after that. So then when I learned about the carnivore diet in 2018, um, I, it's all about don't be afraid of meat, eat as much meat as you need or want. And I know, I've known for a while that red meat is my body's favorite food. So the first week on carnivore, actually the first day, I felt better. And by the end of that week, I beat my, my chest press record at the gym. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this hardcore. So in 2019, I ate as much meat as I possibly could every day. I stuffed my face like a bodybuilder. And I gained 10 pounds. I don't really gain weight very easily, but I put on a lot of muscle and some little bit of fat around the belly. And my clothes were getting too tight. So I thought, okay, I don't want to buy new clothes. So let me just lose some weight. So then I cut back on the meat intake. And then that was great. You know, it's all been great. All of it. The low carb thing is all great. Whether you eat high fatty meat or low fat meat or high fat or low fat dairy just keep the carbs down. And um, when people are eating too many carbs, they start roller coasting with their blood sugar. They get pre-diabetes, diabetes, cancer, heart disease, blah, blah, blah. Like that's well established. The mechanisms are known. But yeah, you still have people, it's primarily a vegan crowd, screaming about how meat will kill you. I just got into a Twitter, a TikTok debate with a diet. He's a, his, I don't even want to say his name. He's a weight loss surgeon and he recommends the Mediterranean diet. And I, on TikTok, you can stitch a video. So you take like five seconds of a video of his video. And then I commented on that. And I said, wait a minute, you're a weight loss surgeon and you're prescribing a diet that doesn't work. You have to pick one or the other. You either pick a diet that makes people lose weight or you're a weight loss surgeon. You can't do both. And, um, and so I, we got, we went back and forth. Okay. In the meantime, I gained like 6,000 new followers and, um, and basically it comes down to the Mediterranean diet is okay. If it were 1980, like, but it's not 1980 anymore. It's 43 years later. And the new data shows that high carbohydrate eating like that is, you know, highly inflammatory it leads to disease and it leads to people eating junk food. So, you know, get more into the low carb uh, realm. And again, like I said, if you want to do high fat keto, 
like 60 or more percent of your calories are from fat, go for it. But a lot of people are, are doing um, low fat and low carb as long as the protein is up. So when you increase your protein intake, then the need for the carbs and fat just goes way down. And so there's a great website all about that. It's called dietdoctor.com. And I've been using them on and off for a bit, but really more in the last month, um, one of their founders was uh, presenting at a low carb conference in Denver in July. And he said, he, um, this, he's talking about this concept of the high satiety diet. So when you eat foods that are very satisfying, you end up eating less food and you're happier and you lose weight and you can maintain your muscle. So what are the foods that are high satiety? They're high in protein, low in fat and carbs. They're higher in fiber when you talk about plants and they have a low hedonic score. So the hedonic score is um, a factor regarding overeating. So French fries have a high hedonic score. So you can just keep eating French fries over and over again or potato chips. So you put those four factors together and um, you end up eating these high satiety foods. So what are the highest satiety foods? Well, lean meat and low fat dairy. Okay, which is not what I've been saying for 20 years. I've been saying eat a, a fatty, you know, eat fatty meat and fatty dairy. And then that way you can go many, many hours of fasting, you know. So I've been experimenting with this in the last month or so personally. And I was surprised like the 1% cottage cheese actually could eat less of it and be happy, satisfied. Whereas the 4% cottage cheese, I find myself trying to eat more, trying to get that same level of satisfaction. See what I'm saying? You with me on this? Even though it has less fat. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's high protein. Yeah. It's protein okay. that creates yeah. satiety. Right. Now, how about with the raw milk, since raw milk is really yummy and high fat? It has a lower score. So on dietdoctor.com, they have a grading system, zero to 100. Okay, so the full fat milk is not at 90. I forgot what number it's at, but it's not at 80. It's got a lower score. It's, it's surprising to me that this turns out to be true for me personally. And now I had a patient that she did this diet maybe a year and a half ago. She lost 60 pounds and she was tracking her diet, all of her macronutrients. And she's like, she does data analysis and Excel spreadsheets. So she's good at doing that anyways. And she, um, she's showing me her numbers as the day, as the months went on and she's eating between 800 to 1100 calories per day for months. And I'm like, okay, but wait a minute. Shouldn't it be 15? Why, why aren't you at 16 or 1800 calories a day? She goes, I'm just not hungry. She's eating 800 to 1100 calories because she's doing the high satiety diet, high protein, low carb, low fat, and then higher, higher fiber with the plants. And anyway, so um, that's a new clinical um, discovery and application. Now the high satiety diet actually kind of um, originated, I think it was 1995. And I have the original paper. And then it became, there was some other um, research study or something in, around 2006. 
that made it a bit more prominent. I don't have that research paper. I haven't read it. But anyways, the point is, it's kind of new to talk like this about the high satiety diet. And then, of course, you can make it customizable for yourself. Whereas the keto diet, you know, it's like fatty red meat, you know, or, you know, it's kind of like pretty limited. Now, the keto diet originally was from 1925, Mayo Clinic for Epileptic Children. Okay, so they needed a high fat diet to grow their brains and their nervous system because they're 10 years old. They're still developing their nervous system. And then they would do that for a temporary period of time, like three years or four years. Then their epilepsy was cured. Then they could stop the keto diet. You know, so I think the keto diet, as as we talked about it from, let's say, 2005 to 2018, I think it was kind of misapplied because maybe it's more for the children of the epilepsy. And of course, you can still get into ketosis as an adult, but you don't have to do the 60% fat or the 80% fat. You can do low carb and low fat, raise up the protein, and you can still get into ketosis. And you can still reverse the pre-diabetes or the type 2 diabetes potentially. You can still have great effects, you know, to remove fibroids and cysts and lose weight and all that stuff, because that's what I've seen keto do is get rid of pathological tissue. Um, I've had a lot of people reverse their cancers with ketosis. And of course, everybody's still seeing their oncologist. I have to be careful with what I say because people freak out. But anyways, yeah, ketosis has been known to reverse uh, a lot of different cancers, not all of them. But anyways, um, there's the point of me saying all this is there's this great evolution in our knowledge and our application of nutrition. I was, I was going to ask you, where does um, intermittent fasting play in, 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 in this or, or does it for you? Yeah. Intermittent fasting is um, uh, a way to help get into ketosis. So the, the number one rule for ketosis <clears throat> is keeping your carbs below 20 grams a day. Okay. So if you ate no food all day, you've achieved that because you've, you've had less than 20 grams of carbs, right? So if you do intermittent fasting, it helps you keep your carbs below 20 grams a day. Now, my very first, when I first learned about ketosis, I had a woman come in with her friend. She had um, lung cancer that metastasized to her brain. And I said, okay, let's do intermittent fasting. I didn't even know anything about the ketogenic diet itself. I said, have like a, I told, they did a four hour eating window. So she ate food from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And then she had no food from 6 p.m. all night till 2 p.m. the next afternoon. Now, during her eating window, she had meat and vegetables and salad and her friend juiced vegetables and fruit. So it was a high kind of high carb uh, food. And after um, six weeks, they did another uh, CT scan and all of her tumors did not grow. It had with, it was lung with metastasis to the brain. And the doctors were baffled because she had fast growing cancer. So at six weeks, it stopped the growth of the cancer. And then at three months, all the tumors were gone. And her friend who was helping her with the juicing and all that, he posted it on Facebook. So I have that, I think I still have that screenshot of like, the results. And of course the doctors were, they can't stand it. They don't know what the heck, <laughs> you know, 
And even I didn't know really what was going on, but I, I was thrilled with that. So anyways, um, the ketogenic diet, I'm a huge fan of it and it should be applied correctly to the right person. Whereas if you were to apply, you know, dietary advice for the whole country, it wouldn't be the ketogenic diet. It'd still be like a low carb version of something. So, so with the, like the intermittent fasting, it, it would be right in saying it does more than put you into ketosis. It also triggers autophagy, um, cells breaking down. And, and if you go further, I heard like with the dry fasting where you don't take any water or food, uh, that you're, your, your, your body uh, creates its own water within the cells. So not to go into that, but it has this multiplicity of, of, of benefits. Um, I guess ketosis would be one of them. Right. Or that plays into it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's all one sort of end result of really enhancing mitochondrial function and correcting uh, genetics and mitochondrial, you know, like all the mechanisms in the cells. So nobody... Well, not many people talk about dry fasting very much. And even I don't, and I've never done it. Um, I've never recommended it, but there was a story on social media. A person had type two diabetes with uh, gangrene on his foot. His foot was black and infected and gross. And they took a picture of his foot. He did a seven day dry fast. And then they took a picture of his foot again. And it, I'm telling you, he's like 70, 80% better. And he had no water for seven days. He had no food for seven days. So, you know, people think that if you don't drink water for three days, you'll die. That's not true, you know. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's amazing what the body can do. Uh, you know, when you hear these things, the healing capacity, but it's, it's, it's like you have to hit certain thresholds. Um, right. And in this case, dry fasting would be one of, of starvation at every level. Um, so that triggers processes in the body. I've even heard with dry fasting, it triggers uh, the development of stem cells. Oh, for sure. Uh, well, even a five-day water yeah. fast will, will still create stem cells oh. like on day five. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so there's different variations. With the, the intermittent fasting, I've heard people say that 12 hours is enough. Some people say you need 15 18. I guess depends. that's still an evolving. It's a, yeah. And it, it depends on like your choice, your lifestyle choices and stuff. And what it's all good. If you, if you fast for 12 hours, that's a start. And if you choose, if you're in it, if you're fasting for 18 hours, you know, once a week, that's awesome. You know, then you, you can push the envelope a little bit and see how far you go. So, you know, I'll do a one day fast twice a month, maybe. And that's kind of it. Then, and during, during my weekdays, I'm pretty much just eating meat anyways. But my even my choices have evolved based on what I've learned and how what I want my body to do. So the guy that I was talking about earlier who went to the Hoxie clinic with that intestinal cancer, he would fast for two weeks and then eat food to gain the weight back. So his weight went from 150, 130, 150, 130. And the point of the fasting was to try to knock out that cancer. And in that case, it didn't help. But at least it got him off junk food, right? Yeah, and then um, and he tried it for about, I don't know if it was like two months or something. And he was seeing the oncologist and, and all that. So they're like, no, this, we got to do some surgery. So they did that. And it worked out you know, really good. So, But he's been able to apply fasting even yet in the last five years 
because to prevent cancer, right? And to kill off bad cells and to create new stem cells. Yeah, I mean, these sort of things, they, they may not uh, be the magic bullet for what you're looking for, but they're in support of the body. So whatever the body deems necessary, you're supporting that. So in that sense, it's a win-win. Um, right. And you got it. And again, this is, we use the term biohacking, right? Yeah. So the best way to biohack your body is with your food, you know? So you just, yeah, all good. Yeah. I, I choose, I, I choose to use the term bioactivating because I don't like the word hacking. So, but yeah. so, so tell us what happened that suddenly, I mean, for decades already, we have all these different books, all these different diets. So, and all these different claims. And that's, I think, made people so confused because sometimes there's, funding coming from the government becomes, you know, or, or the schools adopting this. And because I myself also went through all the different kind of like diet, but what I personally did for my experience is paying attention to how it works for me. And if there's something different already, then I try something else. And as you said, there's more product, nice farms now, good productions, products, etc. So, but give us what happened that we have all these different kinds of diet. How did that happen? It happened because various authors needed to put a spin on a known diet in order to sell their book or their concept or to be important. You know well, what, 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 what do you know about that one about for the uh, Mediterranean diet? Weren't they all sponsored by also like some companies so that they could all be selling all the olive oil that they want to do or whatever yeah. in terms of that. And there's, there's always that, but um, <clears throat> the biggest factor probably was in the 1960s when the sugar industry paid Harvard to say that sugar is good. And then um, also that fat is bad. And then the 1980s, the soybean oil people put on a campaign to attack palm oils, you know, so there's these industries attacking each other. But the one from when Harvard was paid off to promote sugar, that was the beginning of the end. And, you know, and right after World War II, commercial food became, you know, bigger and bigger, just like big pharma got bigger and bigger. And then people who were, de uh, Dr. Yudkin, for example, was anti-sugar and he was demonized. And then you had, um, Who's the guy that did the seven studies? Ansel Keys, you know that name, right? Ansel Keys. He's the guy that started the Mediterranean diet. And he called it that because that's where he liked to go on vacations was a Mediterranean. So let's hey, let's call it the Mediterranean diet. Like there's no science back, you know, there's no science to back up what he said. <clears throat> um, and of course, a lot of doctors would argue with me on that, but just show me the actual science. Now, so, so Grace, let me maybe maybe you're looking for this kind of an answer. It's a type of research that people are looking at and then quoting. For example, there's surveys and then there's science, right? So surveys are where you ask a bunch of people, "How's your health?" and you write it down, and you say, "How's your what's your diet like?" Then you write that down. Then you put this two these data together, <clears throat> and you try to figure stuff out. But it's not science. There's no experiment. And you're just asking one group of people. 
Whereas in science, you have two groups of people, one's in control and the other one is um, you do something to them and then you track the results over time. So <clears throat> there are now large intervention, you know, interventional nutrition scientific experiments with hundreds of people. And I'm right now watching a guy on YouTube. His name is Christopher Gardner and he's part of the dietary guidelines committee currently they're trying to every five years they have to update the food pyramid so he's part of that committee there's 20 people on the committee they're all basically university professors and so christopher gardner is one of them and he's from stanford and he has said in multiple uh interviews on that i've been watching he says the ketogenic diet is the best diet but it's not because people accomplish ketosis is because they try to accomplish ketosis and they go low carb and they get better. They get better results. They lose more weight. They can sustain it. Okay. Okay. But they're not actually in ketosis. They're not actually doing the Atkins diet. They're trying to get there and they get the best results as they try to get there. Right. So they end up doing the zone diet, which is more balanced. But they're not doing the zone diet because they didn't read the book. Right. So you can't say, oh, the zone diet's the best one, even though that's what they're doing. They're trying to do the Atkins diet. So Christopher Gardner is saying these things. And then he's a vegan and he's got a belly. He's got a belly on him. And it's like, I don't get it. You you said the Atkins diet's the best diet. You don't do it and you're overweight. What's the, what's the disconnect? I don't understand the disconnect. So the other thing is <clears throat> People are saying that when you go low carb keto, for example, your LDL goes up. Therefore, it causes heart disease. That's not true. So what happens is the triglycerides come down and that's your fuel. So you're like mobilizing fat stores out of your fat cells as triglycerides. And the LDL is the bus that carries triglycerides. So your triglycerides come down, your LDL comes up in order to carry it into your muscles. And they say, oh, it's bad. It causes heart disease. I hear this over and over again. No, this is normal physiology. This is just what happens. I did a video a long time ago about, it's called the mother of epidemiology. Okay, the, the mother of epidemiological studies regarding cholesterol levels. And so there's a compilation of all observational studies on cholesterol. And it showed that people who, whose cholesterol was, was between 180 to 240, live the longest. So if your cholesterol was above 240 or below 180, then you didn't live as long, right? So this, the you know, medical doctor is thinking that 200, 202 is bad or two, 235 is bad. It's not, it's, you know, 180 to 240 is okay. But <clears throat> if you're eating a high sugar diet and your cholesterol is at 220, that is bad. And if you're eating a low carb diet and your cholesterol is at 220, that's actually okay, right? So it's in the it's in context of how much inflammation you have in your body, what's your insulin, what about your clotting factors, lipoprotein A, homocysteine, these things that make blood clot, you know? So there's a lot of factors there that um, are kind of like, they're just not talked about enough in social media, you know, and at conferences and stuff. And if you say these things, then people can attack you or they might, might try to attack you. 
And that's another thing that the regular doctors, if they keep going to regular doctors thinking that they could, it could help them with, let's say, with their weight, they don't really break or they don't even test all those numbers that needed to be seen, you know, and so, and even if they do, it's just limited. So I work in the, the Alzheimer's uh, dementia for like eight years. And yeah, you talk about the list. Yes. Me, I've seen 10, 10 list of the pharmaceutical things, but yeah, they, then the family don't educate themselves with the results of the labs. I always tell them, ask your doctor to explain to you or bring your labs to me and maybe I could help you understand it. Yeah. Right. So, um, so my, for, for people who like us coming, we grew up in the Philippines and, um, uh, I've weaned myself off with uh, eating a lot of rice. So, but if what's the best thing? I guess it's all about unlearning it, right? So, right. what could you tell the people who lives in the Philippines and those who follow us in another country? What about eating rice? No, <clears throat> in terms of like low carbs, because basically, when we are, you know, when if we if I have to assess our life our eating habits in the philippines we did eat a lot of rice we still yeah. do and most of them eat, unless when i go home then they see how i eat which it will be low carbs and then all the high protein and i still tend to eat low fat but depends because as you said if i if i like it it tastes so good so but what do you suggest for them well the number one rule is um, don't start using seed oils, soybean oil, canola oil. Like that's, you have to avoid that. And then quite frankly, everybody's different. So if you're, um, you want to lose weight, then you bring your energy intake down. So go lower fat, lower carb. And in order to do that easier, you just raise up your protein intake. And that's true for basically everybody. Okay, and that's and that's that's the gist of the, all the diet debates: low carb versus low fat. How many plants? How many animals are you going to eat? And then, um, but what what a lot of people might be missing is that if you just increase the protein, then the need for the carbs and the fat just goes down. So it comes down to that. So I'm not anti rice, or you know, I I never order rice at a restaurant. I. In, in 23 years, I've had, f I've purchased five loaves of bread. Like I don't do grains, right? But that's my personal choice. And if I did grains, maybe I would still have the same body composition as I do now, but whatever, I'm just not going to buy grains. I'm not going to buy sugar. And that's my personal choice. But um, there seems to be more and more research showing how, you know, as our carb intake, you know, it started going up after 1950. And then it kind of like plateaued a bit, whereas the seed oils and the, and the processed factory oils, they just keep going up, 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 up like this, and as does obesity, heart disease, diabetes, right? Does that, does that answer your question okay? 
Yes, yes, because really, um, I learned that also from Dr. Marshall to stay away from a lot of these seed oils. And in the way he explained it is it's very inflammatory as well. So then to local, to lay people, when I talk to them, in, you know, when I'm in a conversation, I said, can you, uh, if you want to make a candle, you could use oil to make your candle and that's fire. So that's basically, if you put that in your system, it's like you're creating so much fire in your body and that's inflammatory. So that part, and yeah, um, so th that's something that um, I, when I go to the Philippines and visit, I keep telling them, you know, to lower down all those, because the Philippines, you look at the supermarket, there's a lot of sachet, sachet of everything. So there are a lot of the sugar content that refined and then everything like, oil oil cooking 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 yeah. canola vegetable oil that's so bad so yeah i'm glad you emphasize that because my filipino will listen to you yeah so like i said at the beginning junk food is four components the seed oils refined grains refined sugar and added salt now when i say junk food i think cookies candies cake but it could be a meal like like pasta, refined pasta with some kind of bad oil put on it for whatever reason, or fried up um, vegetables that have been sauteed in refined grains. You know, like this, you can make a junk food meal for a whole family and think that it's traditional or think that it's cultural or think that it's healthy. And it's not any of that. It's, you know, like soybean oil was what year was canola oil was invented around 1980 like that i don't see how that could be healthy at all even though there's plenty of doctors that think that that it is and i think they're quoting observational studies you know and they're looking at ldl as like the main culprit like oh your ldl goes up stop doing that well that's not that's not a thing mortality is the the greatest indicator of you know um a study's results it's not ldl so with 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 these seed oils, I I I've been off them for a few years now, but the question is, um, if it's cooked or not cooked, does that make a difference? I'm sure it's worse when when those oils are cooked or they used to. Yeah, that's so horrible when they're cooked, because they create a lot of um, chemicals that are inflammatory and uh, poisonous to the body. So, but even if they're not, let's say you got organic uh, canola oil. Any use? It's Any a point. Use? The point is, it's the omega six. Um, I would never use any canola oil ever. Let me just say that I would never recommend it. Um, there's a website. Um, I forgot the name, but it's about lipid hypothesis, and they talk about you know you have saturated fat from let's say animal fat, and then you have coconut oil, which is monounsaturated, and then the seed oils are polyunsaturated. And he goes through how these, and the, the number, um, it, how these um, structured carbon chains, these fatty acids, what they do inside the mitochondria and how they're processed. And he basically said that the omega-6 um, polyunsaturated fatty acids, they make the mitochondrial um, energy production system go backwards. And I read through this article, like it blew me away. Like, 
like those are the it's it's so horrible to to eat those those oils and then the monounsaturated fats like the coconut oil for example olive oil and avocado oil they're okay they're just okay they're not great but then you got the saturated fat from animals and that is the absolute best kind of fat that you could take into your body and it makes sense evolution in the terms of evolution too because the unsaturated fats didn't hardly exist in our diets. But yeah, you can go out and kill a deer that weighs 120 pounds and eat all that fat and, and all that protein and survive and survive for since the dawn of time. Yeah, I, I like the way you say that. Um, I just, just, just in passing, uh, my grandmother used to say, if you do a hard day's work, you can eat anything. And, uh, you know, with respect to that, do you sort of see that, well, we've become more sedentary and therefore perhaps we've become more sensitive to our different types of foods? Well, I think um, if, you, if you become more sedentary, then it's just it's still important to get enough protein in your body to maintain the structure of your body. OK. And then and then you just drop the fat and the carbs because fat and carbs are energy. If you're not expending a lot of energy, then you don't eat a lot of energy. Um, so, and then you said something about sensitive to foods, meaning. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of thinking uh, in the old days, people were just eating simple foods locally. Of course, they're probably all organic. Well, they were, they were good, but now. Yeah. It's it's we have all these intolerances and the amount of food and um, you know being subjected to poisons over a long right. time um, and so they build up these problems with their diet over years. Right. So the so you're bringing up like the intolerances and toxins. I call that yeah. unlucky exposures. I use that term unlucky exposures. Okay. So you get exposed to parasites and fungus and bacteria and viruses. And then the toxins and then these come into your body and they cause harm <clears throat> and then so like a lot of times allergies are caused by parasites for example so you want to get the parasites out and then in the meantime the diet um won't fix it so you can so people go vegan and they go carnivore and they're doing everything else in between and they're still sick the whole time that's because their body is filled with garbage that needs to get cleaned out so that's a whole other fascinating subject of detoxing and cleaning the body out That's yeah because, you know even even like in the old days they'd have one day whatever your religion was there might be a fasting day or something like that so it was you might have a, a health regime built into your into your way of life um but like yeah. you say that's a whole other discussion yeah plus the herbs and stuff that can purge the body yeah yeah, get parasites and all kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. So, so we've reached we've reached an hour. Unless you have time, we have time. So it's up to you, Doctor Schmidt. I and uh, I know. You, huh? I have to get going. Oh, oh, okay, cool, cool, and. And I know you just said that that's a whole different topic already. But one thing also that I like when I when I explore the website of Cellcore is that I did like that they have 
an enema coffee enema protocol. So if you have any thought of that. The um, coffee enema is um, it's a tool that I've never used, but I've had a lot of people talk about how great it is and how it helped them. And um, the other thing I need to say about that is that there's everything else that needs to be taken to, into account. So one time I had a patient, he had four cancers and his weight dropped from 185 and he was like down to 110 when he came to see me. And I'm like thinking in my head, he needs to be in hospice. I don't know why he's in my office. And I only saw him that one time and he died like five months later. But he told me that he did coffee enemas every day for two years. And he also told me, you know, this is during the intake, during the history. He also told me that I asked him about sugar and he says he has two scoops of sugar in his coffee every morning. And that those two scoops of sugar negated all the other things that he was doing. Coffee enemas, supplements, exercise, whatever else. So yeah, coffee enemas are cool. And uh, sauna is cool. Red light therapy is cool. Exercise is cool. There's a lot of things that are good. But in the face of junk food, why bother? Don't even, if you're eating junk food and drinking pop, don't even bother exercising. You might as well start smoking too. You know, junk food is way worse than smoking. <laughs> don't, and don't buy a sauna. One of the viewers, one of the viewer wants to know about uh, your take on seafoods and clams, etc. And I know the second viewer wanted to know more about what you can suggest for tinnitus especially it has increased also after, during this pandemic time. Okay. So, so for seafood, I'm going to refer back to dietdoctor.com and the high satiety diet. Seafood is very high in protein and then low in energy. And they have very high scores, like on that scale of zero to hundred, they're at a lot of seafood is at 70 and higher. So it's excellent there. Um, of course, um, do parasite cleanses, you know, and cook, cook your food well. Now, regarding tinnitus, when I started talking about ketosis in 2015, I had a variety of people tell me that their tinnitus was gone. And I, I didn't even know that they had tinnitus. And I was like, for a year, I was like, oh my gosh, is ketosis the solution for tinnitus? And then I saw um, a video of a guy named Ivor Cummins he was interviewing a ENT, holistic ENT, ear, nose, and throat doctor. And this guy said that tinnitus is the best solution for, ke I'm sorry, ketosis is the best solution for tinnitus. And he mentioned a very high success rate. It was like 96% or something. So now I've had people go into ketosis and their tinnitus did not get better. Okay, so... Um, as far as any pills, I don't know of any good pills that work all the time for tinnitus. And maybe you had ear infections as a kid. So you can put like, um, this is an essential oil, like a peppermint. And you can do, um, it, it's very strong. It's got worm seed oil in it too. So worm seed can kill organisms. So you just put that on your finger. You go behind the ear, you go in the ear you know, both ears like that. So I have people do that. And then I do muscle testing to try to figure out the rest of how to fix their tinnitus. 
And um, in February, I'll be participating again in the integrated mission in the Philippines. And last year, um, I noticed, uh, well, not uh, I have observed that our, our mission really uh, particularly serves the special needs children. And when the special needs children, over 90% of them are autistic children. So when it comes to teaching them about nutrition, the number one thing we always say is sugar is poison to your kids. That's because we kind of know the lifestyle in the Philippines. So that's basically, and if we ask them, each child, each parent, they will always say which one is their favorite. Even the soda, the juice, they say, oh no, we don't drink a lot. We don't eat a lot of candies, just soda. So anyway, Mm. so for that, for that um, population, especially young children, and what would be if if they are able to decrease the 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 sugar content in terms of the supplements, because we're trying to spark something in their consciousness as well that they you know other than the food and what what can you recommend? And I know that we always also have suggested to them about the presence of metals in their body because of the environment in the Philippines. Well, do they give their any, kids any, in terms of in terms of supplements for them? But, but are these kids vaccinated for childhood the childhood vaccinations? Well, yes, okay. most of them as well. Here's how I see it. So the um, the kids who are severely autistic have. Um, organisms like parasites and metals and chemicals and fungus and they have all the problems that i mentioned earlier and then you add sugar on top of that it just feeds a fungus it feeds the parasites so you have to detox their body and then um, look at other factors that are known to help potentially help with autistic symptoms such as low vitamin d fix the vitamin d but i created this seven step blueprint to optimal health this is what i do for my patients I get them through these seven steps like that. So it's like diet here, increasing energy, increasing drainage, parasites in the gut, parasites in the body, powerful detoxification from head to toe, Lyme disease is over here, and then optimizing their nutrition. So I do this with everybody. So it's not about a pill. It's it's more about the program. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then they could. And so, and your website will have a lot of the information or, you know, that you have shared also for today, right? So that website will be the nutritionalhealingcenter.com. Yeah. Right. And then people can be. I'm glad you yeah, I'm glad I asked that question because they're really concerned, you know, the kids for the children. Right. Well, there's a guy, Dr. Paul Thomas, a pediatrician, and he wrote a book on the friendly vaccine schedule for childhood vaccinations. And the um, FDA said, wait a minute, who are you? And who are you to say that our schedule is not safe? Prove it. So he's looking around to see how safe it was to get all the childhood vaccinations. And there's no proof that it's safe. 
at all. So he had a, uh, a company come in and look at all of his um, patient files for 10 years. And some of these kids never got vaccinated. Some got the full vaccination. And then the rest of them got the friendly schedule. And they um, looked at the results of the children over the course of 10 years of their life and their rate of allergies and rhinitis, runny nose, ADHD. It was like 20 different diseases, asthma, skin problems, skin rashes. And the rate of diseases caused by the vaccine far exceeds the kids that were never vaccinated. He published this. Within five days, his license was pulled. And he was called an anti-vax quack, of course, because medicine is filled with tyrants and little Hitlers and stuff, you know. But anyways, that's like the single only clinical assessment of real world application of childhood vaccinations I've ever seen. Otherwise, it's all epidemiology. And epidemiology is garbage. Mathematically, it's garbage. Observational studies belong in the waste bin, according to the, the world's greatest meta-researcher is Dr. John Ioannidis. And he says epidemiology is garbage. And that's what gave us, you know, our COVID response is epidemiology. So anyways, I can't say enough bad things about healthcare, about medicine, drug-based medicine, and especially with what I know, dealing with nutritional, herbal solutions and diet for 30 years. And that's it, like pills and pills and uh, diet, supplements and diet. That's what I did. That's it. No surgery, no drugs, no shots, no inhalers, drug, uh, su supplements and diet. And just the, the rate of people getting better doing what I do and um, compared to drugs. I think drug-based medicine is ridiculous and everybody's being forced in. May I, have the, may I have the name again of the doctor who wrote the book, The Friendly Schedule? Yeah, Dr. Paul Thomas. Let me make oh, sure. Paul I, Thomas, okay. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, Paul Thomas, MD. And I can... Okay, thank you. Oops, what happened to you? You disappeared. <laughs> I didn't do it. Yeah. It kind of like um, something happened to his internet. Oh, there he's coming back. Sorry. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> he's a boom. She, I, I thought his, you went on. I went to his website. You translocated. Yeah. <laughs> so his website is doctorsandscience.com, I believe. Doctorsandscience.com. Doctorsandscience.com. Okay. And you can see yes, all of so. those all those slides with the with the graphs. And the rates of, you know, the, the diseases that kids get when they get vaccinated versus the kids that are not vaccinated. Did you say doctors and science or doctor's science? No, there's and the word science. and is in the middle. Okay, and science. See, um, in the recent conference that I just attended in Dallas, and the doctors just keep saying, read, read, read. People, we have to read. This is what happened that we stopped reading. So, and, and, and you, you talked about effectivity, said that the greatest lie right now is when they keep saying, 
it's safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. Really? No, and we stopped. Uh -huh. We just had to keep reading. Because <clears throat> yeah. you got to read so, the right um, stuff. Read the stuff that's true and important. Yeah, and, and that's why I was wishing. I know you attend other conferences, but I hope to see you in the other conferences too, because I can see that there's something missing in that conference that I just attended. And yeah. especially when they keep promoting the research and the science on certain diet. You know, we right. mentioned that already earlier. Yeah. So in February, I'll be speaking at the International College of Integrative Medicine in New, in or New York, New Orleans. And oh, in New Orleans. Yeah. And, and they're really having okay. they're they're having me um, speak for 45 minutes and then a vegan doctor for 45 minutes. And then we have a question and answer after that. And so it's they're they're trying to make it like a MMA battle, you know. And I, I'm I'm gonna win. I have science on my side, you know. That's great. That's interesting. I <laughs> that's wonderful. If I am um, in the country that I would have gone because, you know, that's when we, we all we you know, all we want to do in this uh, conversation and other and also not just health is just have this front conversation. People can hear all the opinions and the, the perceptions and the science. And and then, yeah, we we all decide which way we want to go. Right. Anything more you want to talk about, um, Carl? Um, uh, I know there's always I could, something more. I could. I could. I know that the, the doctor has time, and I'm afraid I might open up that door's box. Oh, I got to get going. I gotta <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so maybe some other time. So go ahead, and uh, Darren, what, if anything more you want to say and promote, or, you know, just. Go ahead, and we thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. So on my website, I have um, two ebooks that are free. I have a course that's free. I have five courses that are paid. Uh, so a lot of education. Of course, my YouTube channel has like 700 videos, um, although I don't like YouTube anymore because of the censorship. I'm on TikTok. I'm having fun on TikTok. Um, so a lot of, a lot of good information, but, um, my main course <clears throat> is the seven step blueprint to optimal health course where I talk about this and that's all on my website. And so like some people just want to bypass all the education and just get direct care. And, um, I think that I'm pretty affordable and then I have other associates in my office and their fees are less than mine. Um, but we talk, you know, we do the same training. We always talk every week about cases and education and stuff like that. So um, anyways, we have a lot of resources available to get people well. My main purpose in life is to bankrupt drug companies. And so far, I, I am unsuccessful. I have not bankrupt any drug company. Um, but I need help with that. So and a lot yeah, of people... Keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... It just keeps spreading. I'm, the good I'm, I'm contributing to your mission. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, yeah. even if I worked at the hospital for 20 years in America, but I was never their patient. <laughs> yeah. 
That's good. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much, everyone, Dr. Schmidt, and thank you, Carl, for having fun with me. I told you we we're going to have a good conversation. And for all of you there um, viewing and watching and listening, so please feel free to reach out to Dr. Schmidt on the website, or if you have any question, you can go through me as well, and I'll pass it on. You know, and then like, subscribe, and donate, whatever you can do. We all have a role to do, okay, to right. make, make, make a change. <laughs> own, but number one, own your health. Don't, do not be blaming on others. Take care. Bye-bye.